0: Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction exec- executives. And we have Jason with us today. Uh, I'm not even gonna go try how to pronounce your last name. How do you pronounce your last name, Jason? Schroeder. Oh, oh it's Schroeder. that easy. Okay. Okay. Yeah a lot of letters there. So uh, Jason Schroeder and who you you're with Elevate Construction, LLC, right? Yep. So tell us about uh you and tell us about you know elevate.
1: Thank you for having me on the podcast. So, my name is Jason Schroeder. So, I've been in construction for it's got to be around 24 years. That doesn't sound very long, but I was a superintendent and in the field as in roles like field engineer and cement mason and all three of the ranks in the field and construction over those 22 years. Concluded my career as a general superintendent, then a field operations director, and then a project director. and then decided to start a company elevate construction to elevate the operations and the operational excellence on projects for a couple of reasons one to make sure that workers and people on the project teams had a better experience and bring back respect but ultimately to make sure that people at home are better cared for so that construction can be this really wonderful environment where it's a rewarding career. We get paid a ton of money and it doesn't chew people up and spit them out. So that's really our vision and our focus. So I spend most of my time creating content, online learning uh, platforms, in-person trainings, traveling the country, coaching, consulting, and speaking. So that's me.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, that sounds like you got a good thing going there. Um, uh, it sounds like you're old school, like me, you know, um, started in the field, and that's kind of like where we spent the majority of our life.
1: Yeah, I never went, and I don't have anything against it, it's just me. I didn't go to college, I didn't go to a university and get a degree. I, after high school, hired on with Hensel Phelps as a a cement mason in the union in Southern California. And then I hurt my shoulder, actually, and they wanted to keep me going and employed. So they asked if I wanted to be a rodman with the field engineers doing survey work. And it just continued from there. I then became a field engineer, lead field engineer, traveled the country teaching that, was in virtual design and construction, and then assistant super super project super senior super general super so i was able to go through the ranks there and have a really good time with it so i've i've known a lot of people like that so i'm glad that there's some rapport there
0: well absolutely uh experience is something that's invaluable you know so uh um in fact i'm 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 uh writing an article for uh uh for enr right now uh working on one uh based on is it education or experience a combination of two and what, what's what do people see as most important, you know? So uh, uh so tell us tell us kind of uh what has shaped the business model you have here today. I know you told us a little bit about that. What what kind of shaped it and was there a specific experience or
1: well if would you mind if I tackle the the topic of What's the most valuable real quick? Just my two cents on that. Sure, go ahead, feel free. So I've been thinking a lot about this. We do boot camps for superintendents and field engineers, well, for all positions, foremen, project engineers, PMs. Anyway, so any construction position, including executives, we do these really immersive boot camps that are quite fantastic. And there's about five to, I'll say 15, depending on the course, but usually it's about five percent of the people have a hard time. And the other the other uh, ninety, ninety-five percent of the people leave like on fire, remarkably changed, more of themselves, ready to go take it to another level, just jam it. So what what upsets me about the ten five to ten percent is that when they go back, they'll be negative about how they didn't like to be pushed through this course. And I, so I was sensitive about that. Anytime I'm, I'm kind of a different style. It's, it's probably not, no, it's definitely not a good thing, but there's some (laughs) of my colleagues, there's definitely, there's people, colleagues that of mine that when they get heckled on LinkedIn or somewhere, they will call them and, and make amends and like, make it work out. And if somebody heckles me or like is in giving me a hard time or being negative or trolling people on linkedin or facebook or whatever i just unfriend them which is immature or block them <laughs> not from a not from a cancel culture like social justice warrior standpoint but from a i don't have the time to deal with this bs uh, i am trying to help people right so it pisses me off when people are negative and so i tried to figure out i was like wait a minute let, could we do a personality profile on these folks to find out who would be a good fit I created a, a disclaimer. I was like, "Hey, dude, you know, if you don't like Tony Robbins or if you don't like to progress or if you're, you know, about to retire, which has nothing to do with age, but uh, you know, any of these things are going, you may not want to come." But we still had like out of 20 people, one person wouldn't like it. So, I've been on this journey to see if I can weed these folks out ahead of time so that they don't hate life. And I finally stumbled onto it. Even though I read the book a long time, I, at least I feel in my opinion—I'm not saying I know for a fact—but my opinion is that it's a fixed versus a growth mindset. In my in my opinion, and we've all probably read the book *Mindset* by Carol Dweck. You know, the fixed mindset is the people that that know a thing or two. They've arrived. They're in their position. They know it all. They're competitive, jealous of other people, don't take feedback right. And then the growth mindset of people will take feedback, celebrate the success of others look at challenges as opportunities, things like that. I really don't know if it's college, not college, craft experience. I think it really comes down more to it. Does the person have a growth mindset and is he he or she willing to learn? Uh You know, do they they have drive? Are they hungry? You know, that typical, typical hungry, humble, hungry and smart. And are they willing to give a little bit, serve and give outside themselves? So I just wanted to share my two cents real quick. I'm starting to find a lot of truth in the pattern of growth versus versus fixed mindsets.
0: Well, that uh, that's a really good insight because that changes changes the whole topic of discussion, you know. So, um,
1: yeah, so- I didn't I didn't mean to derail us either. I was just throwing that out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, for me for me hiring at my, at my company that's it. That's the only thing I'm gonna. You know, some people have different criteria. It's great. They do the 360 reviews multiple interviews scorecards i love that but the main criteria for me will be how closely can we tell if they're a fixed or a growth mindset type person anyway just figured i'd share that
0: well you know and and and, you know you're you're right about the whole some people think well i go to school and then i graduate and then i go work and reality is it is a constant you know evolution of you as a as a person and i always say college is not the only avenue to get an education you know pick up a book you know so there's a lot of other ways you don't get a certificate for it but who cares that's not why you do it anyhow but uh I agree so so um, I never oh go ahead no I was just gonna ask you um uh, um as far as the the way you kind of have developed your company and you described a little bit of it at the very beginning, but you have any of those game changer or anything that really significant events that really have affected the way you do business today?
1: Yeah, so two things that happened early on, and these are both, well, no, they're both true stories, but I wanna make sure I get the two. Yeah, okay, so I'll tell you. So my wife's, I met my wife on a construction project. She was a an office manager for an electrical company that her dad owned. And I worked at a general contracting firm where I was instrumental in putting them out of business. It was a large <laughs> project, 120 million. I've never million heard somebody business. say that. <laughs> oh man, it's a true story, and it gets worse from there. So, so the there's a couple of things that happened there. So I I was it was 120. Well, in today's in today's. Uh, uh, currency or what or with inflation rather it's probably a hundred it was probably a 180 million dollar project i mean this is a big project so on that job we met i used a restroom key with one of the porta potties as an excuse to go talk to her and ask her out and i was like hey we got a female porta potty here's the key so i asked her out but i was assigned to track any mistakes that they had and in this prison it was all concrete walls and if you've ever worked in a prison with security electronics you know that every device has a home run back to the security electronics room so if any of that conduit breaks or fills with concrete or gets drilled through or whatever there's big problems because this is a huge concrete structure right so we had to chip out a lot of sections of these walls to attempt to find this stuff and we would uh, i was responsible for tracking these things and and i don't know that i i wasn't intentionally dishonest but i wasn't helpful to them in fixing the problem. I would just document everything as their fault. After a while, it got so bad that their parent company, they were a third-tier contractor, kind of terminated their contract and they left. And so I literally married this woman and helped put her father's company out of business. So after that experience, I then moved back to Texas, started to hang out with the family, get closer with the family, that was about the time that two other things happened. One is I was introduced to a book called The Field Engineering Methods Manual by Wes Crawford. And then I also kind of got, uh, not kind of, but I got religious religion in my life, which isn't the important point. The important point was the moral aspect of construction. So, mm-hmm. education and morality. So, those two things happened. And my eyes were immediately opened that the way I had treated that trade partner wasn't awesome. <laughs> like, it wasn't great. And, and that, large contractors have a duty to not only support smaller contractors you know uh, minority business enterprises women owned business enterprises enterprises small businesses but we should help them and train them and elevate them right and I didn't do that and so that's kind of where the name elevate comes from but the two key concepts in my opinion was you know we really win when we support trade partners workers in the industry number one and number two it only comes with education uh, when I before I found that book by Wes Crawford, I was not doing well. wasn't striv- wasn't thriving in my position. was probably about to get fired. I read that book and ended up reading it over and over about eight times. And then as a field engineer, everything that I did with layout was right after that. That sounds bad, but I mean I made mistakes and then double checked them and caught them before they were you know hard and gray. But mm-hmm. everything turned for me to the point that Hensel Phelps paid me started paying me to travel the entire United States full-time training other people so I went from almost going getting fired to training all throughout the United States and I realized the impact of even what one book could have on somebody like me and so my passion with shape elevate construction is I want I I, I don't want to I will create books that are easily consumable for every position outlines with training content for every position, boot camps and immersive experiences for every position, and then eventually coaching apps and a facility where anybody in construction, regardless of their background, can go get those back to basics, fundamental builder skills to go be great at what they do. And and I'll just say one more thing because I know I'm going on quite a bit. I, I really don't believe that it's the technology that's going to save us uh, in construction to increase productivity. And this sounds like bragging. It's not. Uh, it's just what I was forced to do coming up with Hensel Phelps um, as a company. And there's more great companies. I'm just saying that's where I grew up. But like I know uh, scheduling. I know how to use Excel in and out. Every part of computer technology, operating total stations, levels, robotic total stations, data collectors. I can run AutoCAD, Revit, Navisworks, Tecla. Autodesk architecture, um, uh, SketchUp, I can run P6. Uh, I can just keep going on and on. These things are fundamental skills. So if you ask me in a, on a job site as a superintendent or as a field director or project director to go do something, I can just do it. Boom, 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 boom. I've got nice handwriting. I know how to do the notes. I know about contracts. I know how to track the financials. So all of these tool belts that we used to teach people, are not tool belts, but tools in our tool belt that we used to teach people, that now make everybody like really fast to where we can run remarkable projects. We don't really have that now. And instead of complaining about it, I'm going to do something about it. Meaning in 2007 and eight, nine, ten, we just kind of stopped training folks. Mm-hmm. And then our experienced executives and generals out there in the business, aren't passing along that that information so now we have people coming out they're great people i've seen them in boot camps they're just as smart as the folks used to be it's just that we're not teaching the fundamental tools handwriting computer skills typing excel how to turn a 90 with a total station uh the fundamental math behind coordinate geometry you know these fundamental things that make real builders that's what's missing and so that's what i'm dedicated to bringing for the purpose of making sure that these master builders that are trained the right way can go into operational excellence systems lean systems business systems healthy organizational systems and thrive there and so that's what started and kind of drove the philosophy behind our company
0: well you know um you're gonna have a, there's a lot of people listening right now that are uh that are saying amen because everything you say i think that uh, i i can't <clears throat> nobody's serious in construction wouldn't you know wouldn't agree with what you're saying now are, are people willing to spend the money and the time that's a whole nother question
1: <laughs> so uh, no that's a that's a really good point uh I, you know and even if somebody doesn't ever do business with me that's fine but i'm gonna make a statement that we've got to at least double the amount of training we do with our folks and companies if not triple or quadruple it and when when i talk about training it's not just like here's a powerpoint here's what to go do and then don't hold them accountable i mean that's a waste of time but if it's explain demonstrate guide enable and then expect results we need four times that amount of training and it's a long game after five years two years people will start to see the results but we've got it we've got to do it and so i hope that people on the podcast hear that message
0: Well, you know, what's interesting to me about training is because we we have a training sector of (laughs) our company, too, and I've worked for as a consultant with trainers before. And it's when time's good, nobody has time or doesn't want to invest in training. When time's bad, people don't want to spend the money because they're trying to keep their head above water. So it's like somewhere in between good and bad, people are willing to invest. But the truth is, is that if you're smart, you invest consistently, you know. I do. So... um, so how, how are you you know doing what you do how are you guys planning for the future i mean uh what do you hope uh, i think you have a great vision on what you hope to achieve but i, I just you know what are what are you thinking in the future about how this is going to look for you and what do you, what new things are you going to tackle
1: um well i i'll say I, so that's a really interesting thing so this is probably another long answer i apologize but the vision for success is for our company this sounds kind of corny but i think everybody should have uh something fun like this but i want our company to make enough money to where we could either have the seed money or fully fund another building for saint jude children's hospital one of these days like that's my ultimate goal and the way that i'd love to get there is to have some of the most addictive, relevant, and fast training in the industry for construction. I think it would be cool to have a, a remark, and this is what I plan to do, but have like a really cool facility in a wooded area, not too cold, but like uh, just really nice weather, wooded area where we have a training facility out there and uh, we kind of build these these elevated huts and training rooms and walkways and stuff and just have this really beautiful environment where people can come get this training at our training facility. And then maybe we'll uh, supplement some of the funding by doing some Airbnb stuff with the area um, uh, when we're not using it. But the thrust behind having a really pretty and remarkable and beautiful areas, I want to get people programmed mentally and to expect and to become addicted to rich and beautiful, clean, remarkable environments. I usually find that the best thing to do to motivate folks to be better is to get them used to higher standards of living. And then when they get into the lower standards of living, then there's a disconnect, there's dissonance and they, they have a motivation. So I would love to do that and then also use that facility part-time to do boot camps and trainings for you know foster kids or things like that. But ultimately the vision for what we want to do uh, heading into that uh is is to really um provide provide the the training for all levels all positions in construction so that they have the foundation and to also provide the operational systems for the companies teams or projects themselves whether it comes down to the regular project management how to uh, implement integrated project control, the last planner system, tax planning. But to have that all uh, so accessible and so readily available that the only consideration after that is whether somebody wants to go get it. Now, that's the last thing that I'll say here really quickly. I've been telling this story a lot, but when Febreze originally came out with their product, Febreze is an amazing product, they couldn't sell it because it didn't have any added sense in there and so people that smelled like cats didn't know they smelled like cats people that smoked didn't know they smelled like smoke and people that had bo didn't know they smelled bad so nobody was buying febreze they didn't think they needed it and you'll it's in a really neat book uh, they talk about the the whole journey of febreze but they started to add the like lemon scents or ocean spray or you know pine needle scents to the Febreze. So they started marketing it. Hey, spray this on your, your bedspread and it'll smell like ocean breeze. And so they got the, the odor removal with the added gift of providing the scent. And then the company took off and now the Febreze is all over the world. They call it different things in other countries, but it's all over. It's marketed all over the world. Our, the construction industry right now doesn't know that they stink. And so the, my biggest <laughs> task, is in my mind for all of us, and especially in the lean community, operational excellence community, is to find out how to kindly win people over while also bringing them to the realization that what we're doing right now is not okay. Like losing productivity year to year is not okay. Treating workers badly is not okay. Having potties without toilet paper is not okay. Crash landing a project is not okay. Losing fee is not okay. Pissing the owner off is not okay. You know, I could just keep going on and on. So that is our biggest task. And so it's the biggest thing that we're focusing on right now at Elevate Construction. We produce a lot of free content, YouTube videos, podcasts. And so we're really attempting to dominate in the social media uh, arena so that there's an awareness and that we can realize that we stink and that that we have an opportunity to not stink. We can smell like ocean spray or ocean breeze or whatever we can like. How do we get the pine needle smell into construction? How do we get that excellence back in? And so the question that I have on my mind is how do we convince an industry that we all love into uh, convince them? that we have a need for change when they don't currently want that change. And so that's, I think the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome in the vision that I have for our next problem that we have to solve.
0: Well, you know what? Normally I get people with that question because I, uh, I always tell them, you're not looking big enough, but that's not your problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny.
0: But well, I got, a, I got two questions for you on that topic. First off was, um, what what is it about the industry? Um, you know, you mentioned that you have a passion for for this. W- w- where's that passion ultimately come from? Is it from that initial experience? Is it from seeing the bad things on it? Is it from that moral perspective that you have? Where did that come from?
1: Well, I mean, as, aside from just loving the sound of a, a concrete pump, the smell of concrete, the sound of generators and lights in the morning, and just the normal stuff in construction. Aside from that, it's it's the it's it's the mission and the leadership. You know, I love war movies, and if anybody has ever read the my book Elevating Construction Superintendents, I started out with some war analogies because I just love war. I love General Patton, World War Two, reading about Napoleon reading The Art of War by Sun Tzu, The 33 Strategies of War, which is a fantastic book. And the reason that I love it is because in war, you're fighting for a cause, you have passion, you're protecting the innocent, and you have to implement strategy and tactics. Uh In construction, you are fighting a war against waste and variation, you have passion, you're protecting the innocent workers and families at home. And a lot of the same strategies and tactics you would use in war, you use in construction, like the maintenance of supply lines, the access of materials, how to keep the energy up with an army or with a construction crew. Like There isn't a lot different between war in its tactical and strategic sense, not killing people, that's what I'm talking about, but this tactical and strategic and logistical uh, approaches uh, there's not much difference between war difference between war and construction, so I feel like when we're out there, it's the closest environment that I can come to that gives me passion and enthusiasm and energy and allows me personally to implement uh massive and impactful and passionate uh, aspects of leadership. And so that's why I love the construction industry. You know, I'm not making fun of somebody with a desk job or whatever, but if I came in and did the same thing over a day, I'd shoot myself. But if wow. I went out in construction, it's like it's like, oh my gosh, like, oh, we, we need to tackle this mountain. We need to advance on that front. I need to clear those supply lines over there. We need to rally this team right over here. You know, it's it's a it's an exciting fun environment. Besides the fact that we get a ton of money, that's why I love it. <laughs>
0: And yeah, hey, the second question, second part of that question is, you mentioned St. Jude's in there. What what's the? I mean, every every time it just seems like every time I know I, I hear somebody really vested in some type of charity, they have a background story. So if you if you feel okay about sharing that, I'd appreciate that.
1: Well, no, I I don't know that. So nothing actually happened to me. Um, I just saw St. Jude Children's Hospital on the on the television when I was younger. I have eleven children; they're all mine. Uh, Katie and I had them all and naturally. She did. All, she had them, but I mean, we together in our marriage, we you sound like you've love credit kids. Yeah, I took some <laughs> credit there. I had something to do with it, but uh, so we. I just love kiddos, and so later on, probably a couple of years ago, I saw a, a video on the feed, and then I I saw a, this little documentary video of Danny Thomas, the founder of St. Jude Children's Hospital. And his vision that he uh dang, I'm gonna get choked up just saying this, but that he uh promised God that if God if the if the Lord would let him get become famous that he would build a children's hospital and donate his finances and his fortunes to that. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I watched the video and talking about how this facility uh really fights against these catastrophic diseases for these beautiful little children who have these wonderful lives ahead of them and i just think to myself like what better thing could we put our efforts into than helping the future not only the future of those who are healthy and weak in training construction but you know set a neat cause like saint jude children's hospital there's a um there's the, in that little video at the end i'll try and get through without crying but the uh there's a lady that says as we're making this video somebody is walking through the doors of that hospital. And she said, uh, when I first went to St. Jude's and I opened up the front door and met with a doctor, I said, um, can you uh, treat him? And the doctor replied, no. And then so the video is all dramatic and it shuts down with this like boom and it goes black. And then she says uh, that the doctor replied, we're going to cure him. And I was like, yeah, like that's my passion, like in construction, like I'm not going to treat construction with the stuff that we do in our training and consulting, we're going to cure it. And so uh, a, a, uh, organization that is, uh, I won't use any cuss words, but bad cuss word, like that is awesome. enough that is awesome enough to provide free medical care for families and children and to fight against these catastrophic diseases and 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 uh take care of our future and not only that but to say boldly with a little bit of cockiness and and uh, confidence i we're not going to treat your kid we're going to cure him that's my kind of place and so i also feel like if my goal in this consulting and in business and training was focused around taking or getting rich or whatever it's just going to it's never going to work and it has to be part of helping humanity and leaving this life knowing that you can look back having done something to leave it a better place and so ultimately i want people at my funeral to say i'm really glad that he was here
0: well you know what if uh, we have a younger segment of our uh, of uh, our listeners that could learn a lot well i think we all could learn a lot from that and um you know uh you can definitely tell you that you have a passion for what you do and you have a, a passion for the Lord. And I do too. I mean, uh, and the thing is, you can't <laughs> fake that, <laughs> you know, I mean, you either have it or you don't. So I want to commend you for that. Um, you know, and I, I know well, that, thank you. that, uh, you know, in an effort to save a little time, I want to get, I want to cut to, cause you got to give us a lot of good I- input. I want to ask if you were to give personal advice to somebody that was looking to, Come into the industry, and or maybe make a career of this industry, or grow from their, you know, maybe their mundane project management, you know, daily daily duties into, you know, a senior level position, whatever that may be. May, may be, what advice would you give them personally and professionally?
1: Oh, I wish I had a really just impactful one. I'll do my best. Uh, I would say that there are times, and it mostly happens to me when I'm listening to a really inspirational song, or I'm in an event, or I'm with people I care about, when I realize that we were designed to live a remarkable life. And my belief in heaven, and I've said this many times before in other venues, but is that. Heaven will not be sitting on a cloud drinking Mai Tais. That would actually be our hell. Heaven, in my belief system, will be where we're giving, connecting, loving, serving, being with each other, growing, um, advancing, creating. It just All of the things that you would expect God to do, right? All of the things that you would expect a child of God to do. All of the things you would expect a heavenly being to do. We will be in my opinion in my belief system we will be progressing and it will never stop and if somebody said hey jason i'm going to sit you on a beach in hawaii by yourself or you know whatever and you're going to stagnate you're going to not going to learn anything and you're not going to have these cool opportunities or trials or struggles or whatever like after about 2 weeks that'd be fun and then after that it would be my personal hell and so i think a lot of times people run away from the very thing that brings happiness you know the fundamental truth is that the cultures and countries with the highest levels of societal stress live the longest and that study plays out in societies companies teams cultures families anywhere you go religions that the least amount of stress the least amount of challenge the least amount of progress the least amount of expansion the least amount of growth uh, human beings die earlier, and there are higher levels of depression, mental, uh, and I'm not making. I think mental illness is a serious thing, so I'm not downplaying that. But there's higher, and we don't need to contribute to the tragedy of that. So there's higher levels of mental illness and 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 uh, unhappiness with that. And really, high working hard and having stress in our lives is a good thing as long as it's looked at with the right mindset. And I feel like people are looking, are, they are running away from growth, running away from opportunity, running away from challenge, running away from different circumstances to go live this false idea of the American dream, um, which is go buy a house, get locked into a mortgage, retire early, sit, sit out back and carve wood for the rest of your life. You're gonna die early if you do that. Mm -hmm. The real, and I looked up the American dream. The American dream is that everybody, whether you're black or white or male or female or minority class or not, everybody has the opportunity and the liberty and the circumstances to go become whatever they want. And so I'll close with that. My advice is, when I saw this, I can't take credit for it. There's uh, the movie Lucy. I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I watched it for date night. Morgan Freeman, in his lecture as part of the movie, says human beings have started to focus more on having than becoming. And if we focus too much on having, then we will make poor career choices. If we focus too much on having, we will make poor life choices. Choices. If we if we uh, focus too much on having we will make poor friend choices. If we focus too much on having, we will make poor choices in general. But if we focus on becoming and giving, then that's when it becomes fun that's when it becomes exciting. That's when the stress becomes manageable. That's when the world of construction management becomes bearable. That's when learning becomes an exciting new adventure. That's when changing your career becomes possible. That's when treating your wife and children and friends in a remarkable way becomes normal and commonplace. And so what I fear is, and I'll leave you with this little analogy is that I, was talking. I've I talked to a lot of young people, and I'm like, hey, would you like to come out and work as a laborer, or a carpenter apprentice, for a while? After six months, if you show interest in computers, we could probably get you in as a field engineer apprentice, and blah blah blah. And inevitably, I'll hear them say, I'm gonna go to school. I don't really want to work that hard. Um, I'm gonna go be an electrical engineer. I want to make a lot of money. So, a couple of things that's wrong with that, and I have nothing wrong. I have nothing against electrical engineers, but uh, it. If you come out in construction and jam out work hard and learn to deal with the stress and learn the military tactics that it takes to uh, really run remarkable project sites. And you learn uh, how to deal with these mega projects, these complex environments, even if they're small, I mean, they're very complex and you'll have the opportunity to grow the rest of your life. And the other thing is we make two, three, four, five times as much money that electrical engineer We'll probably average around eighty five thousand, maybe up to ninety five thousand with inflation. Will the rest of us in construction management after the same amount of time will be making one sixty to three hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year once you total up our whole package. And so we have it way wrong in two aspects. One is construction management is a wildly successful career. And number two, we know today how to run remarkable companies, departments, teams, and projects today. So you with the right anyone with the right training can go kill it out there and live a life that's just as exciting, passionate, useful, and meaningful as if you were fighting as a military general in World War II or in any of these cool movies that we watch. And so that would be my message and my advice is don't run away from challenge and stress run towards your work run towards opportunity run towards growth and stop looking for happiness where it doesn't exist in comfort and comfort zones and uh, a lack of challenge and a lack of growth there will never be happiness there and so that's my closing message
0: well those are some good words of wisdom there Uh, i wish i understood that when i was younger (laughs) <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have made so many mistakes and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. So,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: well, uh, once again, I, I thank you for being in the podcast. Well, this is a chance you get to plug your company a little bit. Uh, so tell tell me about the trainings you offer and you know, how often they're offered and, and that kind of thing.
1: Well, so on our website, elevate construction, dot We, you can find everything there, but we provide, Uh, consulting, coaching, training, speaking opportunities, and really immersive boot camps, and then organizational transformation programs for for companies in construction, for teams. And uh, really, give us a call if you need something. The biggest favor that anybody could do me would, uh, would be to check out our podcast, the Elevate Construction podcast. We're at episode 450 and we're we're doing well and I love to get that information out so the biggest favor people could do with me is to check out the podcast check out our content and spread the word and get the information out to the people that need it the most so i appreciate the opportunity to share that
0: well and i i think you 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 hit your focus on something that is is extremely needed in our industry and i and I love the passion that you have for what you do but uh once again thank you jason thank you elevate uh for uh for being here today with us and and thank you Jason for representing your company and join us next week for another session of ConX.
1: okay, awesome, thank you.